Hello, my name is Nick Hawkins. I'm an Associate Specialist Employment and Partnership Law Firm CM Murray LLP in London, and this is a CM Murray podcast. One of the topics of conversation that we as lawyers often have with our clients concerns restrictive covenants contained within their contracts of employment. There often seems to be a misunderstanding generally as to what they are, whether they're enforceable and what can happen if someone's in breach of them. To discuss these restrictions in more detail, I'm joined on this podcast by Beth Hale, the technical director in our firm. Beth, I wonder if I could start by asking you to give a brief explanation as to what restrictive covenants are. Thanks, Nick. So restrictive covenants are also known as post-termination restrictions. And I think it's important to note at this point that on this podcast, we're talking about restrictions contained in employment contracts and not about those contained in LLP agreements or other partnership agreements in, in relation to which the law slightly differs. So restrictions are often found in contracts of employment for senior employees and that clauses which oblige an individual to adhere to a restricted period in which they can't do certain things following the termination of their employment. So, for example, you might have a restriction which seeks to prevent things like the solicitation of customers, clients, suppliers, other employees, or you might have one, a pure non-compete provision which seeks to prevent competition in its entirety. So the purpose of restrictive covenants is to protect the employer's confidential information, its customer connections, its goodwill and the stability of its workforce. And departing employees are often well-placed to take advantage of the confidential information, things like strategic plans, customer and client details, or other information about their employer's business after the termination of their employment. And they may try to use this information for the benefit of their new employer or in order to set up a rival business. And what's important, and we'll discuss this in relation to enforceability a bit later, is that restrictions should do no more than is necessary to protect the legitimate interests of a particular business. So, um, thanks for that. I mean, what, insofar as an individual is concerned, what, what would be the key considerations for them when entering into an employment contract in relation to the restrictive covenants contained therein? Well, just first of all, to take a quick step back, it's not necessarily just when you're entering an employment contract that you should consider your restrictions. Also, when you're leaving a business or you're departing under a settlement agreement, you'll often have some, some or all of your restrictions reinforced or you might occasionally have new restrictions being, restrictions being imposed as part of a settlement agreement. So the key thing to appreciate is that the enforceability of a restrictive covenant is something that can only be decided by a court or tribunal. And why is that important? Well, because it might be that an employer will come after you as the departing employee for what it sees as a breach of your restrictions. In order to defend your position as the former employee, it can often be the case that you'll need to incur legal fees to take advice on those provisions. And we often see employers threatening to issue proceedings for injunctive relief against a former employee where it believes the business is being damaged as a result of some breaches or alleged breaches. And the costs or legal expenses for a former employee to settle that sort of dispute can be really high, even when no determination as to the enforceability of a restrictive covenant is ever conclusively made by a court. And so it's important to appreciate at the outset that the commercial realities of restrictions are significant. So obviously for employees, they do need to consider carefully what they're being prohibited from doing and for how long the restriction lasts. It often requires a careful look at the defined terms in the agreement. For example, a restriction might prohibit you from enticing or soliciting away from a company any relevant employee. In those circumstances, you need to consider carefully what the definition is of a relevant employee. And post-termination restrictions are, importantly, separate from duties of confidentiality, which are owed to your former employers on an ongoing basis and subject to different provisions in the contract. So, Nick, if I could turn the question back to you, imagining you're an employer, what, what are your key considerations? 
Well, I think the, the starting point of restrictions is that regarded by courts and tribunals as being an unlawful restraint of trade, you know, therefore to, to make sure they are enforceable, businesses should make sure that they adapt the restrictions for each employee. Um, for example, you know, restrictions that apply to a senior level manager should typically differ uh, from those that apply to a junior member of, say, for example, a sales team. Um, but uh, and of course, you know, were someone to progress through the business and be promoted, uh, businesses should could consider amending their restrictions um, to take account of the promotion. Now, as you mentioned, businesses can only seek to protect their legitimate business interests. Therefore, the duration of the covenants is important, but they depend entirely on each circumstance. Uh, typically, restrictions of more than 12 months are unlikely to be enforceable, but it, it might equally be the case that a period of six months or less is unenforceable. It depends entirely on the circumstances. So, you know, who is the employee, what's their role and what industry do they work in? I'd say that it is advisable that businesses do take legal advice on the drafting of their covenants. The wording's got to be clear, specific, and each restriction should be distinguishable from the next. Anything too broad runs the risk of being unenforceable. Um, one final point point I would make is that where an employee has been placed on garden leave, that period of leave should then be deducted from the restricted period. So, for example, if you've got uh, an employee who has been placed on garden leave for three months of their notice period and they have six-month post-termination restrictions, that is to say that from the date of the termination of their employment, they are then prohibited for a further six months from doing something. What should happen is that the three-month period of your garden leave is deducted from that six-month period. So ultimately, what will happen is the individual will be placed on their garden leave for their three months, their employment terminates, and then the restrictions only then last for a further three months. Thanks, Nick. So where there has been a breach of a restrictive covenant, what are the key remedies available? So there are two um, forms of remedy that, that are most common here, and that's injunctive relief or damages. Most typically interim, uh, interim injunctions, that's rather than final uh, injunctions, are granted as a temporary measure to hold the ring until matters can be explored at trial uh, and are most often found actually in cases of restrictive uh, breaches of restrictive covenants. Interim injunctions will usually prohibit an individual from doing something. However, where damages are an adequate remedy, a court will not grant an injunction. In awarding damages, court will consider whether or not the covenant was enforceable. If it was, whether the employee had breached that covenant. Uh, if so, whether the breach had caused loss to the employer. And if so, what the lo- uh, if so, how that loss should then be assessed. However, matters between the parties do often settle before the dispute gets to, to trial. Um, enforcement of post-termination, post-termination restrictive covenants often involves tort claims against third parties. So third parties might be, for example, um, the former employee's new employer, which has induced or conspired with the former employee to breach their contractual restrictions. Uh, third party might also be a recipient of confidential information belonging to the former employer. Or where the, informer, where the former employee has set up a, a new competing business, the funders of such business or associates of the former employee who are assisting their new venture may also be third parties. 
Thanks, Nick. And so one final point I think is really important for everybody to bear in mind in relation to covenants is that time is always of the essence in these matters. If you're an employer seeking to enforce covenants, any delay may well impact on your ability to obtain an injunction. And if you're an employee and you get a letter threatening legal action, then you need to take legal advice as quickly as possible because injunction proceedings move pretty quickly. Great. Well, thanks very much, Beth. Um, Thank you all for listening. If you want to discuss any of the issues or want to have more information, please contact us. Have a look at our website where there's lots of knowledge on a variety of topics.